Welcome back to the Digital Traffic Show. I'm your host, Kristen Schneider, former corporate climber turned agency owner who specializes in driving the right people at the right time to your products and services. If you are B2B or B2C business owner, marketing professional, coordinator, director, whatever your title might be, and you're looking to drive the right traffic at the right time to your products, you are in the right place. We talk about driving traffic, leads, and ultimately conversions with digital marketing and advertising strategy, tactics, and channels that produce real results. Before we get started, we do not want to be the best kept secret around, so please go in and give a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and share it with a friend. On today's episode, I'm talking with Amy Cole, owner of AK Operations. She is an absolute rock star. We were excited to have her on here. Amy specializes in connecting marketing and sales campaigns that enable demand gen programs on autopilot. They build content campaigns to nurture contacts in your database and then deploy sales sequences on autopilot, Her team builds these programs that enable sales teams to work the right leads at the right time with the right message. So she is an absolute rock star. We love that type of um, sales enablement. You do not want to miss this. She's built a rock star team and truly lights up when she talks about how she helps her clients. Very inspiring. I loved every minute of this interview. Let's get started. Today, I have a special guest, Amy Cole, and she is going to talk all about how she helps businesses. So without further ado, Amy, why don't you give us a little background on you? Thanks, Kristen, and thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. Um, So just as a quick intro, my business is designed to um, run sales enablement and automation campaigns at the top of the funnel. So sales teams and especially lean sales teams are able to to scale the business a little bit more efficiently. And then honestly, just to make the best out of each um, rep or contributors day. So my whole mission and my like background has been in how can I manage um, a go-to-market strategy that allows our people to spend their time on the right things at the right time. So I had a lean sales team and had to lean on technology to do that. Um, and then after doing that for a company for a long time, I left and started my own. Um, and there's a whole reason of different things we're doing now, but for the most part, my team serves companies across the country. Um, we've served almost hundred customers in the last three years. And we currently have right around 30, um, that we serve in a fractional capacity. That's Excellent. I have to, don't let her underplay it, people. She is a boss lady. I've seen her operations. She's very inspirational and has helped so many companies. She has built her own business. And I mean, she has so much to be proud of and she's going to continue to grow and inspires me daily. So (laughs) you're welcome. Um, I get excited to get creative with you and talk about strategies and how we can help businesses. It's really exciting. So one of the things that I really, I believe in marketing automation, and I think it's one of the best ways that you can structure your company, whether 
you're small, medium, or large, you have mm -hmm. a well-oiled machine to mm -hmm. bring in the most sales leads, the most customers without that constant hustle of trying to track them mm -hmm. down, follow up yeah. with them, and then close a deal. So tell, give yeah. me a few pointers, if you will, on how you would, or your best advice on how to get yeah. started in this yeah. area. So I think, I think just to, to take like a um, hundred foot view, like the importance of automation isn't just about like eliminating tasks. It's like, what is the data points that we need to automate so we can make better decisions? So typically you create a really busy CRM and you're having your manpower spend 80% of their time doing admin tasks and like 20% of their time selling. So, and the reality is we hire, we hire people because we like their skill set. We trust them. We believe that they can build relationships it takes to close meaningful business and nurture those deals all the way through the pipeline. And especially in sales, you're hiring rock stars, especially, especially today. So I think just it's not just about making the human life easier. It's about standardizing, collecting consistent data so you can make better business decisions. So in terms of like getting started today, like, and typically when I meet customers um, first, before they even start with us, I typically say like, you want to design how you go to market to be as consultative as possible. Like, unless you're selling, selling toilet paper, right? Everyone knows they need it. It's just what, which one am I going to choose? You need to start very, very top doing those educational marketing pieces. And when you're nurturing the leads before your sales team comes involved, it then becomes so much more consultative for the rep. Now the rep's like, yes, I'm getting, I'm getting layups or I'm getting assists from my marketing team that make my job better. Um, and honestly, the prospect then doesn't think they're being sold to because we served them first with nurturing, like the content part of it. So I think like, Every founder that I ever meet, if you explain to them, your goal every day is just to do a series of base hits, get those cold folks to just know who you are or the mission that you have. Um, in fact, we, we use this all the time, Chrissy, you may have heard it just being around our office, is if we serve them first with content that talks about what we do without talking about who we are, it makes like game-changing difference by the time our sales reps show up to that contact. So like, that's like just a really good discipline to have at the very top of the funnel. And I know it's often the channel strategy that you also share, but I guess for tap, do you want some like tactical advice I can give on well, standardizing? You no, know, I think I'm going to touch on a few. You said so many great pieces there that I yeah. talk to my clients about on a daily basis as well. And it's about nurturing the audience and really coming from whether it's a solution-based or customer-based. Yeah. I wouldn't even, I don't know that I would even call it selling anymore. It's providing a service to them of good, reliable content and not yeah. just cold calling. So I really believe in that customer service piece as you do. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I know um, some of my business to business clients and I have is some of them are still, a lot of businesses are still stuck in maybe what we would call an old school methodology where they are yeah. picking up the phone and they, they've really gotten comfortable with that yeah. and getting them to understand that, okay, that cold call is not going to go over as well. If you have already, like you said, nurtured mm -hmm. and 
provided them with some content that they, those touch points. So yeah. do you have an average of how many yeah. touch points it takes? Yeah, love it. I think that's a good one because <laughs> it used to be, so the conversations used to be, you need to do six touches to getting one meeting on the books. Then it turned into eight right before COVID. And currently um, this amazing, it's a modern sales pro. It's a Google group I'm a member of. And they survey like, like tens of thousands of sales reps. It's sitting at 13 touches before somebody accepts one time on the books with you. So imagine being a like literal rep, you know, you're coming into work every day and you know, I have to get 13 touches on the CSV of a thousand people in order to fill my pipeline. It's defeating. So if you really think about how can I best serve my customer base with 13 touches, it is that consultative nurture up front. And then that way, when they're calling their folks, they're calling them because they did something engaging first. So instead of calling down your CSV or your spreadsheet, you're calling, I'm calling Kristen because she just hit a high intent page on my website or attended a webinar or, or um, I don't know, let's say you opened or opened and clicked three or four of our emails in the last 30 days. I'm going to call you before I call any other Joe on my spreadsheet. Um, and then you you have your 13 touch point coverage prioritized by your best, um, your most likely leads. So it isn't, I always say this person, like we are not doing anything that's rocket science. Like the AKOps program is just a really efficient way to, to execute everybody's best practice. Um, and we just do it with a really strong discipline, but. Well, that's it, right? Like it's there's in touches execution and, and intimidating. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And we're just really good at working. I always say that but my team are, we, we show up every day and we do good freaking work. Um, but it's the stuff everybody knows and every sales conference talks about these things. Um, but it's just like, how do I put this into practice? And then how do I get my team to do it? How do I motivate them to believe in it? And like, so it's hard to frame, right? especially the old school companies, like you and I both serve, um, like established businesses that we're trying to modernize process for. It is so hard to even frame break them. So the nice thing is, is we can show movement pretty early when you start to nurture. So um, I like winning over those old school sales reps um, with, with what we do. Oh, I love it. Um, anytime that you can really break through and, and as a business owner, I think you and I both understand this as well as the faster you can see some results. Yeah. It's that proof right up front. And I would say the same thing. There's nothing that I'm doing for my clients that is, you know, revolutionary or new or you know, it, yeah. there are a lot of new tactics, but it's all in how we put that strategy and plan together and then stay with it, be consistent yes. and That's put exactly. the execution in place. It's actions, daily actions. It is. It is. I know. It's so nice. And then collecting, so collecting it, the kind of like when people hear automation, they're like, oh, damn it. They're just going to spam the hell out of my entire database. Yes. <laughs> That's not it. Like the goal for automation is actually the operational stuff that helps you pre-populate all the meaningful things it took to get that one deal to convert. Automation is like, in my opinion, in it for our, for, in our clients, it's not just the campaign automation. It is a lot of it is like the tracking 
I'm watching like, did Kristen just read my blog or did she then go to my requested demo page, but not fill it out? I want to talk to you differently because you're different. You, you actually took the second step and I want to prioritize you. So I think a lot of times when people, especially older company or established companies, they, that's what, where their brain goes. So I'm trying to always frame break that when I meet people. That's, that's incredible. You know, one thing, uh, and I love working with companies who have these systems in place because yeah. it yeah. does make my job easier as well to show them that line of thinking as well, that customer or um, potential target who took those steps. And we're able to track that through digital measures now and okay, show those conversions. Yeah, You're, this is why I love working with top funnel marketers like you. It's like, um, we can't, with the, with the standardized data sets that my team's building and running um, campaigns against, imagine, imagine as being a business owner being like, okay, can we get five to $10,000 a month in ad spend? That's like, sorry, one more time. Like, what do you mean? That's how much it's going to take to like cover. Like, and then you're getting into a really hard, like ROI conversation. When I work with partners like you, what we're able to do often is say, hey, we have a controlled database. We have a stock pond of people that we already know need what we do. Let's run an internal email campaign, ad campaign against these known people. And then I'm going to measure, AKAPS will be able to measure this ad to this persona type develops 6X more pipeline than these other four ads. Then when it comes time to, or these other four messages, then when it comes time to talk about ad spend, I can say, we're going to double down on this persona with that message because we know this is pipe, meaningful pipeline. And now that business owner is like, okay, 10 grand a month for $600,000 in pipeline all day. Like then you're having a really fun strategic planning session. I'd like actual revenue impact instead of like this and soft, you know, metrics of, well, yeah, that's typically what you pay, pay per click. It's like, no, it's like actually what you're going to pay per pipeline and customer generated. Like it's just a different conversation. So answering those, having that system in place foundationally allows you to make way more um, normally riskier um, spend decisions too on your budget. Absolutely. I, you know, I think if you would have asked me 10 years ago, if I'd be geeking out about analytics, I would have called <laughs> you a liar, but it is really exciting when you see it yeah. all work and all, you know, all that hard work comes to fruition and prove mm -hmm. not only, you know, that your system works, but to the client that you are seeing the ROI, it, it makes that decision that much easier to make, spend that money because you are driving yeah. the traffic attention and conversions. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, I always, I kind of, maybe I pigeon my team and kind of what we do a little too much, but it's almost like, we're your growth team. Like we're your um, growth hackers, if you will. We're not your long-term CMO where we're going to worry about every channel and every message and like the whole brand strategy. But it is so fun when I know what our machine can produce. And then it's like the next level is feed it, feed this engine with all the other channels and all the other additional leverages or levers from marketing, because we know what the output's going to be now. So um, I, I think that's where it's a nice second or like before you totally graduate out of AKOps, that's a nice second phase for us of 
all right, you want to do more? Let's partner with, you know, or let's roll out some, some digital or some paid. And that's like where you get into that escape velocity um, for, our con for our customers, at least. And I think it's fantastic because I tell clients and businesses all the time, listen, I can send traffic and the right people at the right time yeah. to you all day long. But if you don't have the systems in place that are yeah. going to track that and send them down a good customer experience mm -hmm. of why they're receiving the information when they are, it's it's all going to be at a loss. We need well, to reach them at the right time. Yeah, the game's not over when the ad converts. And then you right. have 13 touches ahead of you. So how the heck <laughs> are you going to execute those if you have an ad that's just hauling ads? and generating a ton of leads right so then you need that nurture in place and then putting your people like let's say each lead deserves four phone calls well then we know we have nine marketing email touches or sales touches we got to do on top of those four call tasks so it's really just it's really cool math it, um, it's brilliant it's a it's numbers game and that's mm -hmm. how we always worked in sales as well is it's okay how many touch points how many phone calls how many yeah. emails do you need to send? And now you're, you are setting up that automated version of that. So 100%. when we can break it down that way and simplify that process for business owners, I think it's more tangible for them and easier to get your mind wrapped around. We're just simplifying the process and speeding it up as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're confident. It's easier to earn that, that CEO or that founder's confidence too. Um, I think that's why I love, I always say this and you, and similar for marketing too, but especially for sales, like we're in the business of base hits, unless you're selling toilet paper, there's no such thing as cold contact to customer. So most of us aren't selling toilet paper. So the goal is we're going to get, take these cold contacts and we need to get them to be engaged. They engage contacts to, con to convert to a meeting with my people. From there, I want to track my opportunities that come out of those meetings and what my win rate is against my deals. So if you really think about that applies to every kind of B2B customer we have. And then it's, what does it take to get from one to the next? Those are called exit criteria typically or milestones. If those things are known, it converts over to the next, pro next stage of the life cycle. So I think like for, for tactical, um, like just for a tactical opportunity for anybody like that is in marketing and sales at this point, like if you take your CRM today, as you know it and isolate who are still cold, who are my engaged, but not sold yet, who are my upcoming meetings, who are my deals and my customers, and then do your math, your conversion math, that's like your benchmark. So today we're converting 1% of our people into engagers. And then 20% of our engagers, we have meetings with. And then 50% of our meetings turn into deals in the pipeline. And then we win 33% of those. That would be your foundation. That's your benchmark. And then my, my team, like, okay, we got our baseline. Now, next month, let's get 1% to 3% better. So again, base hits and small improvements. Jen, is that's how you get that, like, um, we call it a rev engine or like that machine that it can be fed from anything. So but a lot of times people don't know how to like really know what their baseline is. So those five chunks of cold, engaged meetings, upcoming meetings, current deals and wins tells you where you're at. That's, that's incredible. And, you know, I, 
I work with them and have worked with people in the past who they have CRM tools. They, they have all this data, all of this information within their grasp, but they're not using it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's a really great way to start doing that. What would be a tip from you? You know, let's say they are just getting started. They have they haven't really been using the CRM or they have they don't even have one. What would you say is a great place to get started there if they don't have a CRM? Um, if they're just getting started with a CRM, free text fields need to, ne- <laughs> I, unless it's literal note field, there should never be free text fields. Um, I always try to do away with as many check boxes and free text fields we have. The reason is, is if we standardize the data, so great example is title. You can be the VP of marketing, the director of marketing, the vice president of marketing. It's really hard to run reports on all the variants of a VP of marketing. Mm -hmm. However, if I write a short little workflow that just says the title contains vice in marketing or VP in marketing, and we standardize a pick list for title or persona, if you will, then I have structured data of only five options that I can run my win rates against. Then you and I can say, all right, let's double down on our VPs of marketing titles that contain all these characters or words. And I know what our revenue output should be. But if your pick lists are all free text, or if you don't pick lists and everything's free text or really randomized in your CRM, mm-hmm. that's when it gets impossible to make um, to make those really good decisions because um, everything is going to fall in another category or there's a typo in the title or silly things like that. And so I love when we start somebody on HubSpot or in a CRM because and it's actually the girls on my team, the, the women will geek out over having a completely fresh CRM because we can do those things very easily um, out the gate. So standardizing right. things like for just off cuff, it's literally like title industry, um, like deal type is a great one. If you have more of a transactional and a longer sales cycle, like those simple things make a big deal for how you run reports later. That's fantastic. Um, I had a question for you about, you know, I guess with some, are you getting into any type of chat bots in that? Yeah. 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 So typically what would, in HubSpot, and I'm going to talk just most about HubSpot with this because it's where most of our clients are. In HubSpot, we were able to build a unique chat flow for contacts that are in our database and those that aren't. So if I already know everything about you, Kristen, I'm not going to ask you, hey, just give me your name and your email and we'll get back in touch with you. Instead, it's like, hey, Kristen, I see you're checking out our blog about bananas. Would you like to set up a demo about our bananas? And then you're responding to yes, no, or um, other, you have a different question, but you're meeting the chatbots are able to identify like who's hitting that page based on the nurture that we've already done. So you're already cooking and they know and they recognize who you are. And they're the chatbots now an automated SDR in a sense. So yeah, the chatbots are, are so helpful. And um, we've actually, there's a lot of cool things you can do tying like an ad campaign to Absolutely. a particular page of the chatbot that says, hey, um, looks like you're looking for X, Y, and Z. Here's a quick um, additional piece of resource. Here's an additional resource for you. And here's time on our reps calendar 
that he's free, who specializes in the automotive industry. And then they click. And next thing you know, they're sitting down with Peter next Tuesday. You know, instead of even asking Peter to call him, that person just self-booked on his, on his calendar. So yeah, it's so, it's so fun. It's absolutely brilliant. I, it takes the guesswork and a lot of the back and forth out. And Mm -hmm. it's also connecting with the consumer, how they want Mm -hmm. to be connected with. That is one piece that I'm always talking about is reaching them in their customer journey how they want, not only with the right message, but how they want to be interacted with. Because we live obviously in this very fragmented place of, we have a lot of messages coming at us yeah. at a lot of time. And we are no longer in an, in an area where we can say, oh, well, we're only gonna do send an mm-hmm. email out or we're only gonna pick up the phone. Well, some people you've lost them. They, they just want a quick response. They're on the computer. They want to chat on their phone, on their desktop. That's such a good point too. And a very recent trend in in sales right now is stop asking people for meetings in your emails. Like you're asking them to like go to second base with you before you're even asking if they think you're pretty. Like, do you want a great analogy? It's kind of like, hey, we sell apples every day. Are you interested in apples? Yeah. Oh, okay. Then my response is, are you free next Tuesday? Let's get together. Instead of our first email always asking for time, we first need to even care. Are they even interested? Is this something on top of mind for them? So um, meeting them where they're at is is part of that. And then also like just being like on a true human level, like I would never accept a meeting until they even understand if I even have that pain yet. So there, it's funny how, it's funny how you can relate it to dating so easily. Um, But the other thing that, that you were talking about was meeting them where they are. Um, we em- we like empower hundreds of SDRs whose job we hire SDRs. So sales development rep, this is somebody who's responsible for just generating a deal at the top, at the very top. And then they typically pass it off sometimes to the founder of the company, the CEO of the company, or like a senior salesperson. Now, connect rates are at an all-time low. These guys are on the phone knowing they're likely not going to get a, a, an answer. So a cold call connect rate right now is sitting at like 2%. But if they're calling those that engage, we're still at about a 10% connect rate, which is money. Like that's, yeah. you want to have conversations. You hire these people to talk and to build relationships. Now, the thing I geek out about is even those that don't answer. So the other 90%. The reality is in a few days, they're going to see another automated touch from that same rep. And it's almost proof that you're human, proof that it's intentional. And it's not just automated. It's like, hey, no, okay, that Amy chick that left me that voicemail is now in my inbox. Okay, this is legitimate. I'm just going to give her a quick yes, no, or maybe. And then at least you got your answer. So I, I don't think cold calling is dead. I think the phone's still very helpful. I don't think you should necessarily like be texting your prospects, but I do think there's huge benefit into meeting them where they are. Exactly. And, and I think it just goes back further to that point of, it's just not, it calling is very helpful. I think having a human voice and um, Mm -hmm. touch point is critical. I still very much believe in the people buy from people they know, yeah. like, and trust. It's completely just the way I think that relationship, and I, I think we crave that a lot now because 
Mm -hmm. A lot of things have been set in place where you're not always getting a human being who can understand or empathize with you uh, and connect. So I will always say, even when I started out in sales eons ago, I'm not going to age myself that much yet, but, um, you know, back in the day when, you know, you had to walk cold into a business, I started out very local and it was just, you hate, I hated every minute, of it, you know, and it, it just know. felt so unnatural to say you did, you felt like you were just saying like, I've got a product. I have no idea if you need it or not, but I'm going to convince you that you do. Mm-hmm. And now it is so nice to have built a business where typically any client that I'm bringing on has been referred in some way. Yeah. They know like it is not me reaching out and saying, you need this. It's, I need your services. Can we please meet? There's, okay. there's a totally different yeah. dynamic when you're doing it that way. <laughs> there is, there is in kind of similar, similar to you as almost, I started this company like three years ago, three and a half years ago, knowing that I knew how to do some really good work. And then it was this question. And I've shared this video. It's almost like, okay, can I do this like on my own for other people? Like, and it was like, I, you know, I had all sorts of like imposter syndrome symptoms and all these things going on. And I'm like, no, we, I'm, we solve like a super badass problem. That's not going to ever go away. And like the rise of content marketing, the rise of digital ads is only going to make that exponentially more important to like prioritize the close of the customer cycle. So like, so there's, there's 10 women that work for AK apps every day, and they serve in somewhere between four and five clients. And the reason that we go deeper in our clients is because, because we have to be able to earn their trust to sell differently. And we need to be comfortable with saying like, that message didn't work. We're going to put a pause or stop that now do a quick pivot and relaunch again, because it isn't until you take that boots on the ground, knocking on the door to like a very open to change. I'll try anything kind of hustle vibe of a transition for company to feel confident in the, in the way you're taking things in a more modern approach. Cause you think about the reason those folks don't jump to modern sales process, cause they don't trust the, the journey and the pivots and the, the risk and the discomfort it takes to get there. Um, but then all these things are able to measure and track my team shows up every seven days on their sales calls with our customers saying, all right, we're killing it at these three base hits, but we still suck here. Here's my tool belt of things, founder, CEO, or sales team, which ones should we start with? And that's what I'm going to do for the next seven days. So I just, I don't think there's a way to solve these problems easily um, and modernizing the complete approach, unless you're really in it, in it daily like that. And that's why, um, like I said, I'm like, we're going after like a particular customer because they got to let us into, into the team. And we literally are members of their other sales org. Yeah. I'm, and I'm really glad you brought that piece of it up that none of the, there's trial and error involved in every piece, whether it's your, the piece that you're involved in, the, the marketing piece there is you have to see what resonates with your audience what completely flop can end up teaching you more than what yes. did well. You yes. know what went wrong and where. 
Yes. There's no it's one so set solution, right? Like we have to yeah. trial and error. It's working through it and it's being there through the process. Yeah. One of, um, so we've messed up before. I'm, I mean, I always say like, what? I'm a broken person. I mess <laughs> up. We make mistakes, but one of my favorite, one of my favorite, um, pieces of one of my favorite responses from a client when we've messed up was, Hey, listen, if we're not making mistakes, we're not working hard enough. And I'm literally, we're in the business of base hits. It's progress over perfection. They don't know either. We're just, just going to fail. I love this too. Yeah. Let's fail as fast as we can. So we can find that success that's lying underneath all these bad tests. Um, but that's uncomfortable, especially if you take a company that has like, you know, $40 million in annual revenue, but they just been stagnant. Okay. That's a hard, like we have one of them right now. Like it, we're grinding through the change management and like, Hey, mistakes aren't bad. A customer getting a newsletter is actually incredible. I know it was intended for new business pipeline, but so what? They just saw that you have a new facility and now we have content and now a cool new avenue of contacting us internally. Like, so that was a mistake in their eyes to us. It was like, eh, that may have worked. So I'm just hoping yeah. we get a, I hope we get a good upsell with that customer so I can bring that back <laughs> and be like, hey, let's, let's open up these newsletters to, <laughs> to the entire company. Well, I also love the fact that if a current customer got that newsletter and responded to it, it also shows, hey, they're paying attention. They saw it, right? They, they care. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, even puts, even in, even in the, even if it was like a sales email unintended for that person, it still puts that response at the top of our reps inbox saying, oh shit, we're trying new things. I'm right. so sorry. I had a duplicate in here. No big deal. How are you guys doing? And the, the reality is every customer in all of our databases knows the, the, the nature of sales right now. So you have to get over, get out of your head that like one mistake is going to cost you billions of dollars. It does not happen. Um, I think there's such a level of grace too, because, Hey, the whole, whole mission behind us doing these newsletters and nurturing is so we can be seeing better contact and better serve you. And that's why you pay badass sales reps because they should be able to have those types of conversations on yeah. the fly every day if they need to. Um, exactly. And worst case scenario, you got a quick little email exchange with somebody you haven't heard of, heard from for three years. Like I'll take that. Well, and I don't know about you, but also as a business owner, it, which by the way, has given me so much more insight to having conversations and speaking with other business owners and what their pain points are and what's important mm -hmm. and how many hats they they're wearing and why these types of automations and touch points are so mm -hmm. important. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, when I receive an email that I'm clearly being sold on, they want me to use, whether it's a product or service that's going to help my business, you know, it, it's still intrigue. It's still intriguing. And if, or if it is intriguing, I'm going to take those next steps. And I'm a salesperson, every mm -hmm. business owner, every person is a salesperson on some level mm -hmm. in your daily life, whether you're selling something in your personal life or not. Yeah. Is if it makes sense to the person on the other end, people don't mind. I know they, they want to buy things that make sense in their life and make their life more convenient and easier and typically make them more money. Yeah. Well, and that's, I think that's, that's the tricky discipline though. And a lot of marketers gone wrong or uh, sales automation gone wrong 
is because they didn't have the discipline and like understanding how to serve them first. Like the whole thing we talked about at the beginning of the podcast was um, before they're hearing from my sales rep, Peter, they're hearing from um, Mallory in marketing, who's running all these really cool campaigns. And then, then they're also hearing from Peter because Peter's starting to see this intent. And now Peter can go there in a consultative message and say, Hey, I see that you're popping all over our site about these couple of things. Do you have questions for me? Then they respond with questions instead of just asking them to go to second base right out the gate. So a lot of times if in, and this is that happens all the time in startups, they get around to funding. It's like, all right, we got to make three, we got to do $3 million. It's like, go. And it's like, oh, fuck, where, where yeah. am I going? What? You know, yeah. <laughs> who am I going after? And then they just blast and LinkedIn becomes so polluted. And like, there's nothing, they're not serving your customer at all and how you're going to market. And so you're just serving your $3 million and your quota, you know? So it, it has to, you have to start slow with understanding like what are the things that are going to tell me what to follow up about and then those are the campaigns I'm going to make and then I'm going to then I'm going to make my reps significantly more effective because they'll be more relevant when they follow up so and again I not just put a little plug in here for the sales reps it is it is a hard job to do it via sales rep it it is not, not for the faint of heart and it is certainly one of the um it's a very like competitive like landscape right now too for the hiring for for the for the sales industry. So like a good buddy of mine's a recruiter and like there's no loyalty. It's like who pays me the most? But more importantly than who pays me the most, what team, what company will enable me and put infrastructure of nurture. So I'm not doing 13 touches all on my own. So I'm getting nurtured and warmed up leads. They care about that as much, if not more, than they do their their you know, they're on target earnings. Like I would, I would agree with you. I think most salespeople at the beginning say, what's my earning potential. Yeah. But once you, if you've ever managed anyone or been a part of it, once you really dig in, it isn't always the most important thing, let alone like, it's, it's really not even that it ends up being that high on the, you know, totem pole. It's, Completely. you know, whether it's flexibility, feeling, a part of a group may, doing right by the company, mm-hmm. the greater good, uh, you know, being recognized. All yeah. of those things actually end up being just as important to salespeople, even yeah. though they say, just show me the money. You know, yeah. it's, I agree. it doesn't always come down to that. <laughs> I agree. It's fun serving something that solves a real problem. The conversations are better. You know, you're, it's, you're not selling anymore. You're just consultatively helping them deploy a solution. Like, right. It's, it's so nice. Um, when you break it down, it's, you're not, like, you're not a, I, I don't know. You're just not starting from scratch anymore. And like the evolution of the SDR, like Aaron Ross from predictable, he wrote predictable revenue. He was like the first sales leader at Salesforce. He basically said like our hunters, our hunters that work and go crazy at the top of the funnel may not be the best closer. And same thing, our closers are just going to close. They're good with like the longer game versus our hunters. They want those quick wins. Those are two different people. So the minute you broke that out and then you started hiring different types of people for certain roles, then it was like, oh, wow. How now I'm just going to enable this guy so he can enable him 5X. So instead of this guy having five meetings a month, 
he's having five a week because he's got this energizer bunny that's really good at hunting behind him. And then comes demand gen lead gen, which is me really making this SDR now, instead of, you know, booking five a week. Now he's only putting those 60 dials a day behind the best 100 people I can give him each day. And now he's, he's three Xing what he could do. So that's, it's, again, it's fun math. Um, yeah. But the evolution is so timely right now. It really is. Um, I've worked in multiple sales organizations where things were, you know, um, whatever your, every year they might even change how you're paid on yes, like, what you vote structure. for on the structure. And a lot of times that's when I could see either and I can admit my failings or my unravelings because, you know, you're like, okay, I, I know I'm relationship based and I, and yeah. I retain clients. They stay with me because yeah. we yeah. have that personal relationship. We're diving, we're really digging in and making sure everything's good. Now the closer that are that hunter, they, they want to just hunt it down and then they're done. They don't want to nurture that. And, and that there's a time and place for each one of those personalities. And I think yeah. when you can have that well-oiled machine and that customer service. And, and honestly, it's why I left. It's why I started what I started because mm-hmm. I really wanted to get to that really consultative solution-based selling. I didn't want to just sell the products that were at my disposal and, and say, oh, Same. these are the greatest thing ever. I wanted to bring that holistic approach of here's how you, what's going to work for you, mm-hmm. just what I have to sell to you. <laughs> I see that with, with even the women that work for me, some of them really like those short-term wins and they're like, oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And then other ones are like, okay, I'm good for this long game. I'm going to have all this discipline up front. I'm going to nurture, I'm going to take care of this customer. And then they're going to be with us for, you know, six years, you know, and right. that's, that's their win. So yeah, I can totally relate to that too. It's- yeah, it's exciting. And it's exciting that you've built a business where you're able to not only build that for yourself and for your clients, but a team of these women. And I've, I've oh, seen yeah. it myself. I've been to your office and yeah. it's just this atmosphere of everyone working together and really energized yeah. and getting those creative juices flowing and how you can work better. And it's just amazing to see what you've done. Oh, um, thanks. It's so exciting. And I know there's Thank more you. to come from you. Oh, thanks. I mean, we, we've come a long way. It hasn't always been perfect too. Like, um, I think the biggest thing for me is like the founder turned like leader of a team. It was hard. You know, I started, didn't think anybody would ever want to join me. And then, you know, <laughs> luckily, you know, my first four hires were some of the like most pioneering people to still, and I love that they come in and they're challenging me. They're teaching me things. Like I'm not the smartest person in the room in my own company anymore. Like collectively though, we're we're pretty powerful. Um, and it's funny, like each person that we've hired, they have different insights, different experiences. And we're not saying like, put all that uh, at the front door. Like, this is how we do things. Like we're truly like addicted to the, the improvement and the evolution of what we're doing. Um, so I don't know. And we're, we're, we just work really smart and we're really good at showing up every day. Um, at the same time though, I wanted to create, I have three kids, I, you know, and yeah. you know, I had all of them in four and a half years. So I needed a way to like, I, I knew I could solve a really badass business problem, but I wanted to have like 
a pretty baller career, but also didn't want to like suck at home. So it was really important for me to design our company and my expectations for other people to always prioritize what really matters. And um, at the end of the day, we're not doctors for a reason. We're not heart right. surgeons. We're running sales enablement. So if, if a baby's sick or if it's the Christmas pageant and you want to take off, like do it. And because we do good work every day, we earn that right, not just internally, but with our clients too. And they're like, oh, yes, Anna, you go do that. And Sarah, yes, take that break, sign off for the rest of the week, like because we've earned it. And I think that discipline um, is, we're becoming kind of notorious for it. Um, and I want, the, I want these women to never have to do that sacrificing I did when my first three kids were born. And um, just doing things intentionally different is important to me. I, that makes my heart so happy. It's everything I've ever wanted um, for myself, for my own company, for every woman out there. I think we feel this, Yeah. Most of, I'm not going to speak for everyone, but this hug of, wow, I'm, I mean, I compliment stay-at-home moms every day because I think they're outstanding. I think they have a patient sure. that I could only dream of. And I'm not qualified, I'm at, not qualified at all <laughs> to stay home. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it was always a dream of mine to have a, a, a great career, but not yeah. sacrifice at home. I still, I like yeah. to drop off and pick up occasionally and go to the school events and see that I don't want to miss out on those things. And, you know, yeah. we have four children as well, and it's, it can get chaotic. Yeah. And it, I think it's really outstanding that you've built a team that way. And you've, and you've set out to do that. And yeah. in your own way, yeah. and people are gonna love yeah. to work for you in that manner, and it's energizing. I hope so. I love these women. Like I told you, I like cry about. Like they all left cool jobs to do this with me. Like they, some of them had like super corporate jobs, so like coming here was like get, like super different. Like we still kind of like are still shedding some of those corporate layers off. Some of them, like yeah. you don't need to tell me you have a doctor's appointment at one, just get your shit done and also go to the doctor. <laughs> like, <laughs> but it is, we come from a culture where it's raise your hand yeah. if you need to use the restroom. And I know, and it's know. breaking those different barriers. Now on the other side, you've also built a culture that I trust you. You're going to work hard and get done yeah. what you need to get done. Yeah, so exactly. What you need to do as well, shift, work around, we're flexible. And that's, I, it really gets me excited. And quite frankly, I'm going to have to ask you out back on another podcast episode, because we could go on about being business women, yeah, yeah. you know, who are juggling these things and not to say men aren't either, but just creating these new, new ways to work and trust your team and know they're going to get things done and, and not always have to know every little thing they're doing. I, I love it. Let's, we should do it at like five o'clock with some wine. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'll give you all the, all the glory well, details. We'll really solve the world's problems then. <laughs> well, Kristen, thanks so much. This was awesome. I, I love speaking with you all the time and especially thank yeah. you for being on the podcast. Let our audience know how they could potentially reach out to you if their business makes sense for the two oh, of you sure. together. So our website is akoperations.com or you can find us on LinkedIn. And my name is Amy Cole, K-O-H-L. Um, yeah, love it.
or even just happy to happy to help just to help too. Like they don't have to necessarily do business with us. I'm happy to take any phone calls or help with just the little things. Well, I can attest to that fact. She has been unbelievably helpful to me and my business as well. I look forward to partnering together even more. And um, and fun fact for you, we went to the same high school. Um, yeah. Even, even though we're not going to share how much older I am than I am. <laughs> <laughs> but it's We also, were there at the same time. Though, we were, so. we were. <laughs> But it's super exciting. I love seeing other successful women and learning from them Mm -hmm. and where you have done such an amazing job at all this. And I just, it's so exciting to watch your growth. And I look forward to having you back on the podcast again. Oh, you're the best. Thanks, Kristen. Have a good day. You too. Wow. I can't wait to have Amy back again. Super inspiring. I just loved everything about that. And I hope you found some really great gems in that as well. You'll be able to find all of Amy's contact information in the show notes. Thank you again for jumping in and listening to the Digital Traffic Show. I know this was a little longer than um, our past episodes, but really great information. Quick reminder to jump on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and review, and share the information with a friend. We'd love to help as many people as we can in the marketing and advertising atmosphere. And as always, I'll see you back here next time.